Well, we're talking about being saved and what that means. And uh, I want to I encourage you with something. Before we even begin, I want to encourage you with this. Uh, what I'm going to be sharing and what the staff is going to be sharing in the next several months even, next few months, I want you to comprehend something. Uh, I don't think you're there yet. I don't think I'm there yet. But I want you to understand that God knows we're not there yet. And so the intention of this foundational part of this series is to start getting you there. So that you actually start to have faith to believe what we're going to be sharing out of the word of God. And I feel the vast majority of the church really doesn't fully comprehend what it means to be saved. And so I want you to start with a different attitude. And the attitude is like this. It's to say, God, I'm just going to be really honest this is really hard to believe. And, and that confession, and in other words, what I'm telling you is you don't have to stir up faith. What I'm telling you is that you start from a place of God, would you please begin to convince me that this is true? And I, I believe that God is going to take line upon line, precept upon precept. He's going to build faith in the hearts of our people. And in your hearts and in my heart. So understand that going into this series. Understand that we start from a perspective. I know I'm saved, Pastor Greg, so I don't know what you're talking about. But you're going to get there. And I'm going to get there with you. Is that fair? So don't, don't, don't put this pressure on yourself. Well, i got to figure this out and i got to believe this. you got to start by saying, you know, God says I want worshipers who worship in spirit and in truth. You start your worship from a place of truth. Okay, so last week we started the series and we started talking about uh, the fact that you are saved from some things. You and I are saved from death. You and I are saved from hell. You and I are saved from destruction. You and I are saved from depression and discouragement and all the other things that you can fill in the blanks on. You are saved from some things, church. And you're saved from darkness which is good news. You were saved for some things, and that's, that's really where we want to move toward. It's not just the celebration of what you've been saved from, but to understand that you've been saved for something. You've been saved to become an overcomer. You've been saved to be wherever you're at. Listen to me. You've been saved to be exactly, truthfully where you are at and to break forth to the next level. So you don't have to fake it. You don't have to get over here first. You have to be honest about where you're at. Because God says you're saved to go from here to there. And then you're saved from going, then you go there. And then you, get, you, you go there. The camera guy's like, will you stop moving? <laughs> Understand, I'm staying within a little box here. We're good. Are you following me? You are saved, church to declare the salvation of God. You are saved to bring the kingdom of God to the kingdoms of the world. You are saved to bear, to bear the life and the power and the glory and the presence of God into your world. That is who you are. You are far more spectacular and amazing than you could ever imagine. The angels of God long to look into the things that you and I get to see. Amazing. Second Chronicles 6.41, I love this scripture. It says, now arise, Lord God, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests, Lord God, be clothed with salvation. May your faithful people rejoice in your goodness. See, church, you need to understand, and I need to understand, that we have been clothed in salvation. Now, listen, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm sitting with you. I'm with you. I'm in the front row going, saying, God, take off the death clothes that I wear and help me to understand I am clothed in salvation. And, and, and we're going to go on this journey together, church, and find what God really means by that. Because you understand, I want you to get and, and know that, you know what, even though we're saved, we come to God and we don't fully believe what we're, under, what we're sharing today. We don't. 
Some of you might. I hope you do. The dream and the plan is that we all will. We'll all say, yeah, okay, I'm starting to get it, Pastor. Keep going. Keep going line upon line. Keep, uh, convince me of this. Holy Spirit, convince me that I'm saved. You see, we've lost our voice, we found out last week. We've lost our voice. The church has lost their voice. The church needs to stand in this hour and declare what it means to be saved. Because our world is desperate for salvation, church. Your friends are desperate for salvation. Your co-workers are desperate for salvation. They are in darkness. And you are the light. Wow. You see, the first and most critical thing for us to move from this understanding of how we can start to believe this, I want you to get it. The first and most critical thing for the saved is to see whose we are and who we are. It's all about vision, church. And I want you to understand, we're going to be talking about this idea of what you're looking at and what you're seeing and what you're perceiving with your spiritual eyes, not just your physical eyes, so that you will start to change the way you see what's going on. The problem comes when we start to see things only from our problem's perspective. Some of you need your vision realigned. I need my vision realigned. See, we're going to look at a scripture today that celebrates some great, incredible things that means to be saved. And then it actually ends with a prayer for you to start to believe it. And so I want you to understand, you're, you're not this unique congregation of people who really don't fully get salvation. It really is every single believer kind of starts from this point of incredible understanding that we begin to gain and more and more light and more and more hope and more and more understanding comes to us. And I believe we are in a season, church, of understanding salvation so that you can be set free and you can help others to be free. So that's a tall order, isn't it? Let's pray that the Holy Spirit can come and begin to, begin to unwrap the things that you're bound in, in your understanding, and replace them with truth. Father, I just pray the simple prayer of the prayer that we're going to look at today. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know you better, God. I pray, God, that the eyes of our heart might be opened so that we might know the hope to which you have called the saved. God, I pray that we will know the, the incredible inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus now. God, I pray that we will know the power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to overcome, the power to break forth, God. I pray that we will experience that power and that anointing and that grace today, Lord. And God, we will begin to build from a point of understanding our salvation and knowing what it means to be saved, God. For Lord, you have raised up an army, an army of priests, God, that are clothed in salvation. Holy Spirit, help us to strip off the garments of death, the garments of doubt, the garments of fear. And to clothe ourselves in the wonderful salvation that you have provided for us, God. I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Help, 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 Holy Spirit. And the church said? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm only going to skip a stone across it. I, I encourage you, I encourage you this week to spend, uh, if you're doing devotions at home, just stay in Ephesians chapter 1. Just read over, over and over again. Just, just, Lord, what is this saying? Go in different versions. Uh, you know, the Message Bible, the Amplified Bible. I'm going to pull some scriptures from all of those. But I want you to understand, there are some truths here. Guys, we're going to start off talking about what it means to be saved, which is kind of the first, like, 14 verses. And we're going to skip a stone across them. He starts off and he says this. What, it, what does it mean to be saved? Ephesians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, past tense, 
in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Okay, so, so check this out first and foremost. This is what God sees. This isn't how we see first and foremost. It's how God sees. He, he, it's actually the coolest word. I was looking up the word, and, and this word is a little bit of a different word. And he says, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. And I looked up that word spiritual blessing. And you know, the word is this. It means eulogio. It's the word eulogy. So God is actually speaking your eulogy. I know, I know. Just think about that. He's like, he's standing here in this chapter. The Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is declaring the eulogy of the saved. You see, you died. You died. And you're resurrected in Christ. <laughs> and because you're in Christ, church, this is your eulogy. So get ready. This is your eulogy. This is so exciting. This is what God says. At your, you know, who, who would you rather have speaking your eulogy than God? You're thinking, whoa, Pastor Greg, there's some things I probably don't want God saying. But I'm saying God sees things differently than you. Okay, let's start off. Here's your eulogy. It starts off and it says this. You are chosen. Look what the verse says. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Woo! Okay, stop, stop. Just crazy. Like first thing, God's standing at your eulogy and he's saying, I chose you. I chose you. Now, see, my first response is, I wouldn't have picked me, if I can be really honest. I think there are better choices, God. But my vision's off. He's saying, I chose you. Check this out. Before the creation of the world. Guys, like this is crazy. Before God said, let there be light. He saw you. <laughs> and he spoke you into existence. In his mind's eye, he saw you. He saw that you would be here today. He saw the day that you said yes to his son. He saw you. He created you. With you in mind, he created the earth. Wow, wow, wow. You are chosen by the living God. You think to yourself, you see, because we do this. This is what I'm saying. We see things differently. We say, God, you could have spoke me an inch taller. You could have spoke me with blonde hair and blue eyes. You could have spoke my wife. No, you could have spoke me. Whew. Are you following me? You see, but listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Maybe, maybe you should thank God because maybe those tiny imperfections that you don't like about yourself are the thing that led you to find God. <laughs> maybe because you can't be given over to self-sufficiency because of your brokenness at times, maybe that's a good thing because God you needed God. You needed God in your life. See, we don't always see, don't we always kind of look from the perspective of what we don't have instead of from the perspective of what we do have? I, no, I want you to catch something. I, I, the staff this week, I, I took them to Isaiah 42 in our devotions. And I said, you know, the Bible says that this is my servant whom I uphold my chosen one in whom I delight. Guys, God chose you not because you're perfect. 
God chose you because he delights in you. And if you're like me, that's a struggle. God, how can you delight in me? Like, I, I blow it all the time. I fail all the time. God, I, I see all these negative things. I see the dark. I see the death clothes on me, God. And he's just looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, I delight in you. You're so awesome. Now, how many have ever seen, there's a new TV show called uh, This Is Us. Okay, you may not have seen it. It doesn't really matter. It's a point, though I like the show. This is us. So the father in the show, his name is Jack. And Jack's like this best dad ever. Now, he's got all kinds of issues, too. Don't get me wrong. But Jack has a daughter, and her name is Katie. And he calls her Katie Girl. And Katie does not love herself at all. Katie, Katie hates the her way she looks. She hates her weight issues that she struggles with. She just does not like herself. But her father is this guy that's just totally taken with her. And he follows her around with a video camera. And he's like, oh, you're the best. Katie, girl, you're awesome. And he, she's like, Dad, you need to, like literally, she says, Dad, you need to be quiet. You need to shut up. Because it's not true. And he looks at her like with this dumbfounded look. Like he's like, I, I can't help it, Katie, girl. It's how I see you. I delight in you. Church, listen to me. God picked you when no one else would pick you when you wouldn't even pick yourself. You are his chosen ones in whom he delights. How many of you know you need a vision adjustment? Am I the only one that needs a vision adjustment? Then I'm preaching myself. Preach it, pastor. Woo! Go, man. Come on. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So we don't always see things, guys, listen correctly. We don't see things correctly. And he goes on, and can you believe what he says next? He says, you are holy and blameless in my sight. Remember, he's speaking your eulogy. <laughs> he's eulogizing the church. He's saying, guys, I chose you. And guess what? You are holy and you are blameless in my sight. Do you know what I mean? That word holy means set apart for his purpose and use. Wow. And, and, and you're blameless. It's crazy. <laughs> so in, in jumping back to Isaiah where he says, this is my servant who I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. You know what he says next? Like two verses later, he says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. You see, I, you understand, we see ourselves, church, listen, we see ourselves as bruised reeds. Now, what's a bruised reed? Now, back in, you know, in Jesus' day and same with our day, I remember the reeds that grew up by the water. They would pluck those reeds and then they would try to hollow them out and they'd make flutes out of them. But they're very delicate. And so guess what would happen? They would bend. They would be bruised. And so guess what you'd do if you were a kid? What did you do? You threw it away and picked another one. Why not? There's thousands of these reeds. Millions maybe. God says... I'm not going to throw out you bruised reeds. How many of you are bruised reeds in your life? You're bent over and you're like, man, I don't have it all together. And I'm broken in parts of my life. And God's like, I chose you. And I'm not going to throw you away. Maybe you're a smoldering wick. Maybe there's some stinky parts of your life. Right now. <laughs> and all you're doing is perfuming the scent. Trying to get rid of the stink. And you know, this candle, it's smoldering. And in Jesus' day, the wax was not very good. It wasn't like perfect 100% paraffin. It was bad. So when it started to smolder, it was stinky. Are you with me? So if you were smart, what you do is you take that wick and you'd ram it into the wax. Snuff it out. 
You ever felt like that, church? You ever felt like, God, how can I be, how can I be saved? It stinketh, Lord. Remember? When they were going to roll away the stone and there's Lazarus in the tomb for four days baking in an easy-bake oven, dead. And the sister's like, don't roll the stone away. Don't uncover it, God, it stinketh. You ever felt like that, church? Come on, pastor, preach it. Woo! I'm just going to turn around and start preaching. How can God do that? How can God call you homely, holy and bla- homely, holy? <laughs> Some of you, no, I'm not going to. I know. You're holy and blameless. This is God's eulogizing of you. How can God do that? Because God is the God who calls things that are not as though they were. And because he's God, whatever he says is true. I declare you holy and blameless because guess what? You're dead. And you're in my son, Jesus. Okay, okay. It goes on from there. It gets crazier. Here we go. You are adopted into his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into a celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. You've been adopted into the family of God, church. Incredible. You see, we we see adoption from a couple different perspectives. In our world, we see adoption from the person who's doing the adopting. And then we see it from the perspective of the adopted. And for some reason, in our generation, being adopted has taken on this negative connotation, especially if you're the person that was adopted. It's like, I was rejected, I fell short, therefore I needed to be, I needed to be saved and needed to be adopted. But I want you to understand the historical perspective and what Jesus was saying is different. You see, in Jesus' day... The Romans understood what he was talking and and the Jews understood it because there was only really three ways to become a Roman citizen. And and for us to be a Canadian citizen, we think, well, that's great. I want to be a Canadian. But I'm going to tell you something. If you were not a Roman citizen in Rome, it was not good. You could be subject to crude, uh, crude forms of death. You could be completely robbed. It was horrible, the things that would go on. Are you following me? So suddenly to be a Roman citizen, to, be, to become a Roman citizen was the most important thing. And I want you to get something, church. You could eat, there are only three ways to become a Roman citizen. Number one was to be born one. Number two was to spend exorbitant amounts of money to buy a citizenship. So that excluded most of us. But the third way is you could be adopted. You could be adopted into a... Roman family, and be given your citizenship. And, and this is really what you want need to see, is that God sees, just like in the, those days, so a slave would be working for a slave owner, and the slave owner would say, you know what, I love this slave. I love this slave. I no longer want him to be a slave. I'm going to set him free from slavery, and I'm going to adopt him and make him my own. And that's the picture. God is saying, you guys are slaves to sin. You're slaves to self-centeredness. Yet I see you and I choose you and I picked you and I think you're awesome. Amen. And so God adopts you. And he gives you this kingdom. (laughs) He says, all this is yours now. You're, You're my family. You're my son. You're my daughter. Now, I had one other thought that just blew my mind. Because I started thinking about people in the Bible that were adopted. Moses was adopted. He was adopted by Pharaoh. Pharaoh's daughter. Wow. Taken from death and destruction and brought into the highest place. Esther was adopted by a cousin when her parents died. But you know the one that blew me away the most? Jesus 
was adopted. Jesus was adopted by Joseph because Joseph wasn't his dad. Jesus was born into shame. A pregnant, unwed teenage mother. Joseph adopted him. He turned out okay. Yeah. There's hope for you and I in our adoption. It goes on and he reminds us now of another thing because it's just so important. Here it is. You are redeemed, forgiven, and declared innocent. In him we have redemption that is our deliverance and salvation through his blood which he paid the penalty for our sins that resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. Pastor, didn't you just say that? Didn't you say that we're, we're holy and declared innocent? How many of you know if the scripture is repeating something, you need to get it? This is your eulogy. <laughs> God's like, guys, guys, you, I paid the price for you. Now follow me here. Follow me here. Price from what? What did God ransom us from? Jesus ransomed us from the law of God. You're like, what do you mean God paid a ransom for himself? That's crazy. Now follow me here. Now how many uh, have ever read a self-help book? You're all lying. You all have read a self-help book. Okay? So you know what we do? You know what we do when we get saved? We think the Bible is the ultimate self-help book. And we try to do it on our own. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> it's not good. And so you set out to do the self-help book called the Bible, and you fail miserably. It's like being on a diet... And you're on that diet for a week, and it's like awesome, it's so good, you're rocking it out. And then the next week, you're like, I'm just going to take a little break from the diet. And you go back to carbs, and you're twice as fat as you were before. <laughs> Listen to me. The <laughs> pastor's against dieting, obviously. <laughs> the point is, check this out, you were never meant to live life on your own. The Bible is not a self-help book. Sorry, we can't even teach that way. If I was to stand up here and say, if you did this, 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 you're going to be changing your life. Here's the three points of how you become a better Christian. I get what I'm saying, but I better have a caveat, and the caveat better be this, in partnership with God. See, the Christianity, the life with God, it's always about life with God. Everything we have here, redeemed, forgiven, declared innocent, it's about a life with God. Because God is in me, I have these things, church. I'm saved. See, the perfect life is never meant to be lived apart from God. That's why most self-help books ultimately fail. Because we're trying to do it on our own. You need God. So, so here's God. He brings us out of, out of the slavery of a self-centered life. He pays the price. He redeems us. He forgives our guilt and our failure. He adopts us and he brings us in the family. Then he says, let's do life together. Which is the very next point of the scripture. It says, you are in Christ and the Holy Spirit is in you. Look what it says. It is in Christ that you, once who you heard the truth and believed it, the message of your salvation found yourself home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. The signet from God. The first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we get everything God has planned for us, a praising and a glorious life. Listen, church, there's a new power at operation within you. This is what this is saying. This is your eulogy. God has placed his spirit in you and in me. When I am born again, when I ask Jesus to come into my life, he says, I'm going to put a deposit, a guarantee. Think about it. God is guaranteeing that what he's saying about you is true. This eulogy I'm speaking is, is actually true. Wow. God has made a guarantee, a promise 
of not only protection, but of power. Now, the Holy Spirit is called the advocate. But you know who else is called the advocate? Jesus is called the advocate. So check this out. The word advocate means this in the Greek. It means one who stands beside you, strong to defend you. It's a lawyer. So Jesus is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the living God, the power of all eternity, and he's your advocate. He's standing beside you, strong to defend you. When the accuser of the brethren accuses you, he says, no, 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 no. When, when, when other people accuse you, will you accuse yourself? He says, no, no, no. Now, how does he advocate? Now, this is the coolest thing. The, he actually places his Holy Spirit in you and in me. And you know who the Holy Spirit's advocate is? Think in his mind. Well, he kind of is, but actually he's Jesus's. Check this out. The Holy Spirit, God Almighty, is in you, and he is the advocate of Jesus on your behalf. So you know what he talks about when he's in you? Jesus. <laughs> now, he might say you're living below what Jesus has for you. But look who you are. Look who you are in Jesus. He reminds you continually. This is who you are in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. You are powerful. You are able. You are able to do exceedingly abundantly because I'm in you. Wow, wow, wow. That's good news. So stop your self-talk and loathing and tearing yourself down and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Say, well, if this is true, Pastor, why don't I believe it? Because you don't see it. You're looking at the wrong thing. Are you hearing me? I told you at the beginning, the key to finding our voice is beginning to see whose we are and who we are. For me to understand I'm saved, I have to change my vision. So how do I see like the saved pastor? Well, it goes on and tells you. The Apostle Paul just says, man, I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for you guys. He lists this whole thing. And I didn't even go through the whole list. I just threw a few things out there. And he says, guys, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you because you've got to comprehend what I'm telling you. And then he goes on. And he tells them what he's praying. He says it this way. How do I see like we're saved? He says, I pray. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Here it is, guys. Check this out. You need a revelation that gets your eyes off yourself as the solution. You're the one who got you into this mess. Why do you think you're the solution? You can't possibly be the solution. But with God's help, you can be. Are you following me? I'm not saying that you don't have something to do. I'm saying you have something to do with God. Andrea gets better. I know she's busy with little babies. Guys, you need to see Jesus. The Bible says in Hebrews 12... We run this race with perse perseverance because our eyes are fixed on ourselves. No. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. I love this in 2 Corinthians. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the, God, the glory of God displayed in the face of Christ. Where do you see the glory of God? In the face of Christ. You need a vision alignment. Your wheels are off. You need an alignment and I need an alignment. To do what? Well, here it is. To know him better. The text says this. That gives you a deep and personable and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. We know the Father through the Son. That word know is, is not like, yeah, I know Jesus. It's like I am personally, 
intimately connected to him. He's my best friend. I spend time with him. Guys, why is it important to come to church? Why is it important to be in care group? Why is it important to open your Bible and do devotions? It's not to earn God's favor. It's to just be in the presence of God. That's it. That's it. It's to see God. My wife and I have started a devotional book. And um, one of the lines in the book, and it's in the book every single day. It's a daily devotional. And every day you read through the scriptures. And then, uh, then he tells you, you need to reread it again. And he says this every day. But this time, read it, understanding that God is with you. And it's bizarre. Every day I need to be reminded that I'm not doing this to try to get to God. I'm doing this with God. Every day Greg Fraser wakes up and he needs to know God because he sees too much of himself. Stop taking selfies. Take Godies. Okay, check it out. It goes on, it says, not only, not only do you get to know him better, not, you know, I love Bill Bright says this, how the day looks to you depends on who you're looking to. That's a catchphrase. He's kind of cool. Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, most prolific evangelist in the history of the world. Fairly cool. The Jesus movie went to over 2 billion people. Bill Bright's the guy who did that. Who are you looking to when you get up in the morning? Myself. It's depressing. No kidding. I think, Pastor, you're being hard on this. I'm just trying to see you set free. What's your perspective? And then he goes on and says, not only to know God, but to know the rich inheritance that is ours in him. That's the prayer you're praying. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and the core of your being, might be enlightened, flooded with light from the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. Guys, church, listen to me. God is eulogizing you, and then he says, I need you to comprehend that I'm actually praying for you to comprehend this. You don't fully get this yet. You need to see God, but then you need to see that your inheritance is now. Now, this is really, really important. How many know you're not going to need your inheritance when you get to heaven? You're not going to need it. You need it now. <laughs> Everything I just told you is your inheritance, church. You are chosen. You are holy and blameless. You are adopted into his love. You are redeemed and forgiven and declared innocent. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, pushing you, compelling you forward in God. Now, today... Wow. You see, you get your inheritance before you go to heaven because he's already gone there. He's gone ahead of us. He died and left us the inheritance so that we could live in that inheritance. Listen, I'm praying for you guys all the time. We need, we need, we need you to get a hold of this. You got to get a hold of this, church. There's great blessing. In Christ. You see, here's the third thing you're going to know. To know him, to know the inheritance, to know the incredible active power of the Holy Spirit for us who believe. That's what it goes on and says. So that you begin to know the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power in us who believe. My brother Doug sent me a, a, a post. And I hope we have the picture. Do we have the picture of the wave crashing into the shore? Put that up there. Just leave that up there. Isn't that ferociously awesome? How many have ever been around an ocean when it's doing that? It's crazy. When I go back to Newfoundland with my wife, there's a place called Gross Morn, and the trees grow sideways. The power of the waves are so powerful. The wind coming off the water is so powerful. The trees grow sideways. 
How many know there's force there? So let me read part of what this guy says. This is from Ozzy Dave. If you want to post, go on his postings, here it is. The Hebrew language is based on a word picture and symbols. It is a language that conveys emotion and experience, not just information. It's a language that creates images like the one in the book of Isaiah, where the prophet writes that God arrives like a rushing wind driven by the breath of the Lord. Rushing waves, sorry. What an awesome image of God's power and beauty. This verse reminds us of the way the ocean crashes over the rocks of the shore, the tide rolls in, the waves are unstoppable, and the immense power when they hit the rocks, just like this picture. The Hebrew word for breath is rosh, a rock, which means spirit. So Isaiah is saying that when God shows up in a situation, it's with unstoppable power of the Holy Spirit behind him. Paul, one of the first followers of Jesus, shared the idea about the power of God's spirit when he wrote, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now don't miss that. Paul is saying that the spirit who arrives like a rushing tide lives in you. It means that if you're facing obstacles today, church, if your life seems insurmountable today, then God will send his spirit to you with a rushing tide of power. See, it's very important to understand, last thought. I know we did a lot of thinking today. Where does the power of God operate in your life? The text actually tells us. It says, in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Church, God's power operates in your life in the dead places. You're lamenting and trying to take off your grave clothes and to get free from the death that you see in yourself instead of abandoning it to God and saying, God, we've got to deal with this. Take off these grave clothes and clothe me in salvation. See, my vision's stuck. And that's why I have to pray this prayer. And I'm telling you, I, for many years of my life, I prayed this scripture every single day. And it changed my life. And the Lord reminded me that, Greg, you're, you've fallen off praying that scripture. And I got to go back to that scripture. And so really your homework this day is very simple. You're going to actually start praying this scripture every day. You're not going to try to fix yourself. You're not going to try to change things. You're just going to say, God, come. I need a new vision. I'm seeing things from a wrong perspective, God. Help me, Jesus. See, the treasure of our salvation is often locked inside of us because our vision is locked on ourselves instead of God. That has to change. Let me close with this. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. I've shared this with you in the past. Um, seven years ago, I got diagnosed with MS. And what happened for the next several years, literally, is I tried everything in my power to be set free from that. I fasted, I prayed, I confessed sins that I didn't ever do in my life, but maybe thought of once. I did, I ate grass, literally grass. Thank you, Monica, for that grass. Thank you. Amen. I tried everything. I tried everything. And you know what? I found myself, and I, I, I shared this story with you. I had a picture of myself standing in front of these two letters, and these letters were huge and ominous, and they were black. And the letters were M-S. And I saw myself standing in front of the letters, hammering them with a hammer. As hard as, I, guys, sweat pouring off of me, pounding on this. And I'm telling you, little tiny, tiny chunks would come off. It's like a mountain. Are you with me? Ridiculous. Like, uh, I can't overcome this. And then all of a sudden, I started to notice that the MS was backlit. There was something behind it. And it was white, brilliant white. And as I backed up the, and I'll check this out, as I backed up and stopped staring at the MS, all of a sudden I saw the MS growing smaller because you're backing up, you remember? 
And all of a sudden, there was a, a, like this, two, this line of brilliant white light, kind of like, what is that, Lord? And as I backed up further, church, I could see that it actually formed a letter. And every time I stepped back, are you following me? Every time I stopped looking at the MS and I started looking at this light, and the MS got smaller, are you following me? And all of a sudden I saw it was a letter and the letter was I. I'm like, wow, what's going on? I backed up further and, and the MS was getting smaller, are you with me? And, and, and as I backed up, I realized it wasn't just the one letter, it was three letters, it was I am. I am God's unique name. And as I backed up, I'm telling you, the MS got smaller and smaller and smaller. And as I focused on the light, I'm telling you, the MS disappeared. Now, have I experienced that yet? No. But you know what? I'm not looking at the MS anymore. I'm looking at the I am. You see, I don't know what your letter is. I don't know what your word is. Maybe your word is cancer. Maybe your word is, how are we going to build this church? Maybe your word is, how am I going to overcome and see things? How's my marriage going to survive? And you're looking at that thing and God's saying, back up. Back up. And see that I am. And I'm telling you, church, if we start to do that, God will change our perspective from ourselves to himself and he will set us free. That's what it means to be saved. Amen? You see, there's dead parts of Greg and there's dead parts of you. After that verse in Corinthians, it talked about focusing on the face of Christ. It says this, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We have that same spirit of faith and we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Do you understand? With the same spirit of faith, it's time to start declaring what God says is true about you. Not what you say. Not what the world says. What God says. You are chosen. You are the apple of my eye. You are forgiven and cleansed. You have been made holy and said blameless. Our spirit is within you. I have so much for you. You are the saved. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to take us a few months, church, to start getting our eyes off ourselves. We're not the solution. But we have the solution within us. So, Father, I just thank you for today. Jesus, I'm the first culprit. I'm the first one guilty of always looking at myself. Always trying to find the solution in myself. God, forgive me. Holy Spirit, forgive me. Forgive me for seeing things from my fleshly perspective instead of from your perspective. Today, as I take communion, Holy Spirit, unveil our eyes. Take the scales off our eyes, Lord. Take the scales off my eyes, God. For I'm so fixated on myself. Oh, God, there's a brilliant, bright light of hope waiting to be beheld. Church, I don't know where you're at today, but it's time to let the Spirit of God just take away those scales. Begin to show you, you are awesome, you are chosen, you are loved. To begin to show you the greatness of the power of the Spirit of God who lives in you. Wow. You may be here and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I need, I need that. I need my vision refocused as I take communion in a couple minutes. You know what, I'm just going to say to you today as an act of faith, just say, God, just raise your hand to heaven and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to see God more clearly. Yes, most of us are raising our hands right now. I need to stop looking from my perspective and see things from God's perspective. Yes, many, many hands. Some of you need some rocks moved today, some mountains church here with you. More importantly, you got the Spirit of God, but you know, some of you need to come up and get anointed with oil and be prayed for. 
going to sing this song through one time. And I want it to be a time for you just to sit, worship. You can stand, whatever you want. But I want you to be reflective before we take communion. Because communion really is about your fact that you are connected to God. It really is a celebration of the forgiveness of your sins. It really is a celebration of what God sees. And I want you to take that communion. You're going to come up. There's communion stations at the back. They're up front. If you need gluten-free, there's gluten-free on my left, your right. Uh, but you know what? Don't just, just, you can come up. And I just want you to dip, dip the bread into the wine and take it right there. You don't have to carry it back to you. I just want you to spend some time first in your, in your seats. We're going to sing this song do that and then when you're ready you can come up and have communion then you can go back to your seat or you can stay up here afterwards why don't you go back to your seat and then we'll open up the altars after that so let's do that let's go let me just share for one minute about communion the word communion just means that you're in common union with God it really is a celebration of the with God life it is saying every time Every time you take it, it is saying, I cannot do this on my own. Jesus, your body was broken for me. That me, who is so broken, can come to you. Jesus, your blood was shed for me so that I could be forgiven of my sins. I could be cleansed. I could be made right with God. That's the celebration you're having. And if you're here today and you're saying, I, I've never asked Jesus to come into my life, Pastor. I've never received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Today is your day. You can't earn this. You don't deserve it. You can't do enough to, to, to be right with God. You just have to accept it. And if that's you today with everyone looking, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make things right with God today by taking a step toward Him. For He took every single step toward me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Lord, you see these half a dozen hands that have been raised you've ever asked Jesus Christ into your life, I want you today to just every single person that has ever prayed this prayer, pray it out loud together with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me that I might live for you. Help me to live seeing things from your perspective from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's give these people a hand clap today.